if we, in, the, in the metaphor of fighting uh, fire with fire, one fire is an enormous oil fire and the other one is a match. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Are We There Yet? The COVID-19 Experience, episode 5. My name is Max and my co-host, as always, is Ines. Ines, welcome. Hi, Max. Hi, everyone. Oh, episode 5, over, over the halfway point. We're, we're near the home stretch. How do you feel about this? How did we do this? I feel great. I know. And we've, we've, we've brought great information to the people, I think, and... Before we start this week's episode, I have a couple of things I want to say. Now, we all know what's going on in the States at the moment, and I, you're going to see this title, Civil Unrest, and I don't want anyone to think that we are trying to capitalize on tragedies that are happening in America, Mm-mm. trying to capitalize on George Floyd or anything like this. When we started the planning of this podcast, this was always episode five. This was always in the plan mm-hmm. to discuss because we were looking at trends of what might happen in relation to covid and civil unrest is one that i definitely thought would happen to this degree and obviously this is not covid related this is a separate very very important issue um but it does have covid ramifications with it that we're going to be discussing today and in today's episode we have a returning guest i love that we get to say returning guest on this podcast from episode one the government uh, no conspiracy theories episode Joshua came on from the Our Foundations podcast and gave some fantastic insight and knowledge. And seeing as we're going to be speaking a lot about what's going on in the States at the moment, it just made sense that we have Joshua back for this one as well. Um, We've just done the interview. We won't pretend that this is all smoke and mirrors. We've just (laughs) done the interview. It was fantastic, really insightful, brought a lot of information. This is going to be a two-parter because like last time, we just get talking. We're a chatty bunch, the three of us, so put us together. <laughs> it's a recipe for disaster. I mean success. So two-parters. We'll have the interview with Joshua coming up. The second thing I wanted to say to everyone out there, happy Pride Month. Oh, happy Pride Month. Happy Pride Month. Pride uh, Month was like it started from protests. Yeah, Stonewall changes all started from protests, so... That isn't a very important narrative that I wanted to put in as well. So with everything that's going on, it's important not to forget that element of history and celebrating what makes people unique and beautiful. So to everyone celebrating Pride, happy Pride. I wish that we could kind of do some kind of parade together. Hopefully we can delay and do do something in the future. But Me too. that's what I wanted to get off my chest. Now, before we get into... Um, the discussion as always we always like to bring a little bit of good news to to pepper in pepper out dark that's going on and my resident good news expert Ines has a story for us so please make us happy yeah so I'm about to make you very happy Max Uh, yesterday June 1st was the first day without deaths due to COVID-19 in Spain Um, I want to call attention to the to the saying zero deaths it's something that we haven't been seeing for the last many months. So zero deaths in Spain to the extent that the government has changed its uh, like notifications protocol and now it's reporting deaths per week, not day. It sounds depressing that, that we are in a position to be saying weekly deaths instead of daily deaths, but really it's a huge progress. This country is going well and 
I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled yeah. with the news, to be honest. Yeah. Exactly. They they put good. Obviously, you're going to be more ecstatic. It's your homeland. It's it's you have that yearning towards it, and it, it's beautiful the the measures that they did put in place. And we talk about it in the interview coming up. Um, did have positive effects, and now after two since March, I think it was, we are now seeing zero deaths per day, and as you say, weekly, which again horrible but much better than reporting mm-hmm. the numbers that we were seeing a month and a half ago from spain it, this is um so much better to be seeing and it comes down to the people kind of the everyone working together and following rules following instructions and now they're in a position where they can return to some level of normalcy it's not going to be 100 percent like it was before but it is going to have a degree of being able to do things, get back to being more comfortable outside. Cause I think that's another element as well. It's, it's being comfortable. Like you can release people as we're seeing in the UK, but like, I wouldn't feel comfortable going out right now. Mm-hmm. You want to have that zero death rate or close to as possible to feel properly. Like, yes, I can resume my normal life. Yeah. Steps, steps closer to that. Baby, baby steps. So, <laughs> wild in Spain. Hopefully, other countries start following suit soon enough, and then that'll be the end of it, and that'll be the end of this podcast, which will make me sad, but also happy, because... Next season. Next season gets to begin, whatever that might be. But we now have our interview with the lovely Joshua from the Our Foundations podcast, talking about civil unrest from what is happening in the States at the moment, uh, but also from an impact of general COVID, what we're looking at in the future and general impacts. Fantastic conversation. Please enjoy both parts. Joshua, thank you very much for coming back onto the show and talking to us a little bit more. It's great to have you back here. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be back. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, you were the um, the voice of knowledge and the voice of reason in uh, in our rambling. So it's always good to have you to kind of back up the points that we make, and especially with what we're talking about today with, with social unrest and a lot of that is obviously coming from the states. To get your kind of first-hand account of what's going on is going to be kind of fantastic to learn from that angle. But before we get into all of that, could you, first of all, if people missed the first episode, or that was about four weeks ago, tell them about your podcast, where they can find it, and and all the other good stuff about you. Yeah, sure. So my name's Joshua. As you have heard, uh, my podcast, the name of it is Our Foundations, and you can find it on pretty much any podcast player out there or ourfoundations.podbean.com. And it's broken up into seasons. The first season covered, uh, to put it very succinctly at least, uh, the evolution of our economic and political and monetary systems, as well as the education system. And um, it's more US centric. That's uh, where I have my expertise because that's where I live and that's where I was born and grew up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it does cover political theory and economic theory, that kind of stuff. Uh, In general, I uh, usually take a little more of a contrarian standpoint. So if you are uh, very hardcore on the right politically or very hardcore on the left politically, conservative, liberal, whatever, um, I will probably have a different opinion than you. And so uh, hopefully people are open-minded. I try to approach things rationally and logically and with an open-minded perspective, Um, but I am also highly critical and um, 
a little cynical about uh, the state in general and how well governments perform and the lack of that performance. So uh, that's kind of my disclaimer before you uh, come on to my, my show and tr check out any episodes. It's uh, probably going to be a little bit of a different perspective than most of the things that you listen to. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a good way to be, to be kind of centered, to look at both sides. And yes, it's good to have an opinion, but it, it's, it's very difficult when you're hardcore one way or hardcore the other to have a very open view of what's going on. So I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that or any real need for a disclaimer. It, it, it's just a good way to, to approach looking at topics, really. Yeah, yeah, ideally. I think, um, yeah, ideally everyone would agree, but in reality, usually <laughs> people are pretty hardcore one side or the other. And well, yeah. it's kind of hard to have a discussion versus an argument is usually what it turns into. Yeah, I think we can agree <laughs> that independent thought is good. I never thought I would have to say it out loud. Uh, <laughs> but it's a good thing. That's the world we're in, I'm afraid. Um, today's episode, we're talking about social unrest. And, and social unrest was one I, I kind of advocated for because... When we did this planning back in like March and April, you saw some stuff in Italy, very small, but you saw some stuff in Italy, you saw some stuff in Spain, where it was just like very, very, very small rumblings of stuff going on with people not being, not liking what being told what to do and, and going on from there. Now, obviously, since that's been done, there's been the issues in the States um, around what happened to George Floyd, um, the Black Lives Matter movement, and the riots that have been going on for the past four or five days now. So with that in mind, in terms of what's happening at the moment, and I'll, I'll quickly throw over to you, Joshua, to kind of, first of all, get your immediate reaction to what's going on in your country. This is obviously, this is never a good time for it. This is something that shouldn't be happening in the first place without a doubt, but at, at the time of a pandemic and social distancing and, and lockdown and everything that's happening, how, how is it being viewed from, from your side of the pond? Well, I think from the general per public's perspective, at least, it's something where you saw this video of a cop murdering a man in the street, and uh, that definitely set people's emotions aflare. And uh, there already were these movements like Black Lives Matter and a lot of people upset about the lockdowns and there were some protests about that already. So kind of the atmosphere was already there and it was a bit of a powder keg that seemed to have gotten sparked by this murder. And with that, there have been protests all over the country. Uh, I live in a fair part of the United States and we have had multiple protests that uh, even the National Guard came in on for one of them, I think yesterday or the day before. And so this is happening everywhere. Uh, it doesn't really seem that most of them are just uh, peaceful, holding up signs, you know, making their points. It's more uh, of the rioting and looting variety. There are plenty of videos circulating with people shutting down highways and like looting moving trains and saw one of like all these people jumping on an oil tanker. I don't know what they're going to do with an oil tanker, but they, okay. they were on it. They took it over. So it's, it's just really interesting because, yeah, it's, it's gone a little crazy. And to me, I, I see that someone did get murdered and that is a horrible thing. However... 
this has been going on for a long time. I know a lot of the people I follow uh, with more independent media, they've been covering a lot of issues with no-knock raids where the police in many states can legally just break into a house. They don't have to announce themselves. They don't even have to be uh, dressed up as police officers and they can break in and serve a warrant uh, without knocking or identifying themselves. Well, th it's a problem because when someone busts into your house and you don't know who they are, you probably automatically think someone's breaking into your house and they shouldn't be there. And oftentimes people try to defend themselves and then those people get shot. And so police are basically murdering civilians. And there have been minimum half a dozen cases over the past few months of this happening and the police had entered the wrong house or the wrong really? apartment. Bri Brianna Taylor is... Yes, the, yeah. yes, that's a good example. Um, and so... Unfortunately, most of those don't get a lot of attention. Usually, it is if it is a white police officer that shoots a black civilian, or in this case, kneels on their neck or whatever mode is taken, and that gets a lot of attention. And so, unfortunately, from my standpoint, we have this issue of state power and police power that's a little out of hand. Uh, their incentives are probably a little skewed and a little off. And so, uh, to me, that's the bigger issue in pr police brutality and um, this assertiveness of this too much power, I guess, is a big problem, and it has played out many times in very bad ways. But unfortunately, it seems that it has turned into a race issue, and instead of even addressing the race aspect of it, it's rioting and looting, which, again, it just it totally skews what's really going on. And no one is paying attention, I, I say that broadly, but in general, the masses are not play, paying attention to problems with the system and mm. the power that the system holds and is abusing. That's pretty much getting ignored, and the focus is on uh, rioting and racism. And al although, yes, there are riots, and yes, racism does exist, um, it, it's, it's like we're missing the whole point here. And so it's, I don't know, it's a little disappointing for me. It, it's interesting. I think you're right in the way that the system is being kind of handled and the issues that are being overlooked in the sense of there's it, it's violence being fought with violence. It's like fighting the old saying of fighting fire with fire, right? It, it's there's no resolve. There's no planning. There's there's just combating against what's happening with no real forethought going forward of, as you say, the underlying problems and how to solve them. It's it's very much the protesters versus the police, and not in all cases. There's some lovely videos out there of uh, police workers and sheriffs, you know, coming and working together with the community and trying to go from a peaceful resolution from that angle, and and that seems to be working in a lot of places. But the random violence seems to be exasperating the issue a lot quicker than it is solving it, and there really doesn't seem to be a solution in place for solving it. It's just get over it, get back to your lives, that's it. If you're addressing something like uh, racism and the cops murdering people, uh, what is the solution that a riot brings about? It's There is no wrapping that up in a nice, neat bow. It's just not even possible. And again, like you say, you're um, protesting violence with violence. If we, in, the, in the metaphor of fighting uh, fire with fire, one fire is an enormous oil fire and the other one is a match. So if this, the, 
we the citizens we are giving our technical power to the state right like the power that would grant us as animals so to speak to like kill each other for water or food or whatever so we are giving that away and we are trusting the state to take this power and use it well and protect us and instead what we are seeing is this power is coming back against us and me as a privileged white person i will not claim that i have been subjected to the same injustices at all um but the people who are suffering them um through, mainly through um well a problem of race no racism um how are they going to to react to this there is no rational way i think that what, what i'm getting at least from my corner of the internet is that they feel that peaceful protesting protesting doesn't work which like it doesn't no protesting works ever barely ever um so violence is there the the resort of the of the people who feel they have no other choice now i'm not saying that human beings we we are kind of how do you call this um like easy to get to violence right we need just a little spark and then everyone's burning containers that's mm-hmm. not great i know um but it's also I, I think we should see it as people taking the last resort against a huge systemic problem that deeply affects them. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned like uh, that protests in general don't really solve anything. The one thing that I, I did think of, and it's one that I have uh, a book that I have read that has been referenced a lot in circles I follow is the Politics of Obedience. And um, I would butcher the name if I tried to say it, but it's a French author from the 1500s. And his main point was that we voluntarily give these rights to our government. And we could voluntarily take those rights back. And that's really all it would take. You don't need a violent revolution if you just said no and withdrew your support as citizens en masse then all of a sudden, what could the police do? What could the police do if all of the citizens in a city just said, nope, we don't have police force, we do not acknowledge your power, you have none over us, period. And what are they going to do, arrest the entire city or start shooting people? Like it, They can't do anything to that. But I guess that would uh, involve too much cooperation and logic. Yeah. And- that would want to reach like a consensus, which good luck. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're right in the sense of when you see people band together, and when you're seeing governments being overthrown in the Middle East, and and protests going on there over the past decade or so, it is that kind of unity across the whole nation, and it is that extreme form of rioting to overthrow governments that gets the results uh, at the end of the day. And it's um, we saw it in Hong Kong as well. You know, Hong Kong was probably the most organized version of protests in the history of the world, I'd imagine. The, the way they were able to organize through social media and send communications and plan, it was unreal how they kind of used that. And the States is not using that at all. It, it's very much, um, from, from the images that we're seeing, it, it, it's pretty much one of two camps where it's there's peaceful protests going on but then there's groups in there that are making them not so peaceful and it, it's difficult to strike that kind of balance it happens in every single protest this and, is the, true. and the media being the media will always go oh look at those bad eggs that have you know done all of this yeah. horrible stuff because i remember a couple of years back when when i was at a protest in london it was a nice walk it was very peaceful 
Um, and then there was a group of like 10 or 20 people who did some damage to a city block and did, did some real stuff. When I went back home, that's all the news was talking about, how the students rioted and it was crazy across London. And I was like, I was there. It was not like that <laughs> at all. It was perfectly peaceful except for a couple. And But that's what gets portrayed, doesn't it? Because that's what gets captured. Yeah. yeah, I saw an interesting um, post on Twitter of all places recently, and uh, it was talking about this concept is from a comedy skit of uh, having a bad apple. And um, mm. this oh, you can yeah. relate to protesting as well as the cops, but um, with the police and specifically, if you have a bad apple in the police department and a cop kills somebody or something like that happens, you know, that that's not really okay. There are certain jobs where you can't have a bad apple. It's like if American Airlines said, oh, well, yeah, most of our pilots like to land usually, but every once in a while there's a bad apple. I know. You can't have that. That, that can't exist. And so, uh, unfortunately, there aren't really any checks or balances. Um, I know... An individual cop doesn't want to get fired. Yes, okay. But if you look at the system as a whole, it's not like the police department is going to um, go out of business. It's not like they're going to get fired. It's not like there's any competition whatsoever, any other option whatsoever. So what's their incentive you know, as a whole, as a department, as a system to change or to follow a certain set of moral codes? I mean, there's not much. It's just on the individual basis. And mm. you have this mm. thing in America, especially the thin blue line, the idea that cops will back up cops no matter what. And a lot of times that holds, even though there are times like this when it doesn't. But um, that's an issue because you have all the cops sticking together and you have a system that has no competition, no incentives, no massive punishments, no other options, that's no competition. True. So, like, why would you expect it to perform well? I guess it, it, you know, out of the goodness of their hearts, maybe? I don't know. That just seems well, actually, a little yeah. naive. Um, I mean, yeah, okay, fine. Naive. Here it goes. Um, but I think that police, like doctors, one would guess, uh, is a deeply moral profession. It's a, it's a profession that is designed initially to protect citizens, also to protect citizens from themselves. I understand that. It's not like, you know, cuddling citizens all day. Um, but there should be sort of a refresh of the idea that there are some moral codes to being a member of the police who, let's not forget, the police are also citizens who are given power by the other citizens to sort of keep order. They are not just given power for free, like, oh, we, we just think you're super cool and just do whatever you want to the rest of us. That, that's mm -hmm. not the ideals of police, no? And I think that injecting, again, a sense of morality into the police profession um, would only do good. And I'm, I'm very, very glad to see these images um, about some police persons um, sort of not getting aggressive when they could have gotten aggressive or taking the side of the peaceful protesters because they are not committing any crimes, etc. Like, it it feels like the, how do I say it, the, this position of power is the one position of power that should not be abused. It, it shouldn't. I 100% agree with you. And introducing morality is a interesting idea, but hard to do in the sense of, from my understanding... The vetting process for becoming a police officer, especially in the States, is not extremely rigorous. No, Spain no. either. 
it's not like being a doctor. You don't have to commit to it for eight years. You don't have to do all of this stuff. It, it's it's not one of the hardest professions to get into if you're kind of driven to. And, and full disclosure, we are not saying all cops are bad and all of this kind of stuff. Of course not. Like, a lot of people do get into that line of work to do good and support their community and have that real belief in it. But as we know and as we've seen and there is a whole twitter thread of um videos and incidents of unprovoked police attacks for this whole riot that's been happening that's been going on they're the ones that aren't being vetted and whether that's a process that needs to be looked at or even if it's possible to look at a process to vet police officers more because the problem with police is the high demand for them in these situations of civil unrest and, and the nation you can't just say oh wow we'll, we'll put a pause on hiring police officer until we can introduce this eight-year training program no that's not going to work so th th there needs to be some form of approach to that but my concern is that conversation is not being had at all i've not heard that in my corner of the internet anywhere of should there be some form of reform happening and that's a concern I think first we should all, everyone, every human being should acknowledge what we mostly know to be fact, but it's that power corrupts every time. Power does corrupt. So who are we giving power to and how corruptible are they and how far are the consequences of them being corrupted? Because if I'm corrupted as a person in PR and marketing, it's kind of like no one's dying. But if a person who has the, the law on their side to how do you call it, to commit violence, well, we should make absolutely sure that that person has strict checks and balances by everyone else around them. Yeah, and this is where, I guess, my opinion comes in, is that, yes, power does corrupt. And so, instead of focusing on the one individual, we have this issue with the presidential election that's going on now, and I know you guys have had some issues with your elections as well. Um, <laughs> it's... It's hotly debated. It's a big deal. And one side says, oh, if we only get this candidate, then everything's going to be better. And the other side's like, oh, no, that candidate ruined it. And we need this candidate. And they just go back and forth as to, you know, if only our party were in charge, things would be better. But the reality is it's the system as a whole, and it doesn't matter who's in charge. I mean, just the idea, the concept of, hey, we're going to take a small handful of people. We know that most people are um, bad if left to their own devices, and they're going to hurt each other. They're going to freak out, you know, the idea of anarchy in the streets. And so we have to have people in charge. So we're going to take a small handful of those people and then put them in charge over all the other people, and that's going to go really well, and we're not going to have any problems. And it's like, well, you know, yeah, in yeah. theory, that sounds great, but... How are you going to vet those people? How are you going to keep them in check? How is this going to play out in reality? And it, it, then you have the whole uh, spectrum of political theory as to why this does and doesn't work. But again, to me, it's more of a system issue that the system is set up in such a way that regardless of whether the person at the top is corrupted or not, you see the same results over and over again throughout history, all over the world. Uh, like you say, power corrupts. That's just part of human nature. So instead mm -hmm. of finding someone uncorrupted or keeping them from getting corrupted, which doesn't seem to be possible historically in reality, then why not just not give as much power? Uh, it, it seems like that would uh, be a lot less naive and a lot more rational, I would think. 
Yeah, yes. but then the people in power, the, like power is maintained because its first interest is itself. Um, so the people in power do everything they can. And I'm saying in all sorts of power, because as we know, like they, every department and sector feeds each other, right? Um, so the people in power do everything they can to remain there and to secure that the other people in power who support them are also in place to keep supporting them. So what we are talking about would be a let's wipe the whole thing out and start afresh with like new ideas. Well, maybe we can do that in the next generation of humans. I don't know. Maybe if we get like 3,000 babies in one place and raise them. But as it is now, what are you going to do? Like take everyone out of their post and sort of redo the thing with better people. I don't know. This is, this is a struggle I have with myself every time. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's physically impossible and never, ever going to happen. Um, but it's... The, the thing with, I guess, the ultimate goal of when you procreate, when you have kids, when you have generations, when you move through, you just try and be a better version of what was before. I guess that's the end goal, of trying to just improve it, even slightly, as we move forward. Like, we're not having people kill each other in front of spectators and fighting lions anymore. We've moved past that, luckily. But now we're in a state of um, people being very self-involved and very in their own little worlds, and there's a lot of power struggle between the classes and the people in charge, and, and that's a danger that needs to be rectified. Whether it will happen in the next generation or two generations is difficult to say because the hardest thing about this and all of these protests that are happening, 100% important, but look at history. Look at even just 92 with LA. Same scenes that we were seeing then, and it's nearly 30 years later when we're having the same discussion. Exactly the same discussion. Not even slightly different. So the point of improving year on year, decade on decade, this is an issue that just hasn't really changed at all. Well, look at what else hasn't changed, and that would be state power. States, all mm -hmm. nation states around the world have become more powerful and more centralized as time has progressed in modern history. And that hasn't changed. There have been different parties in power, different people in power, uh, different uh, balances of democracy and republicanism and liberalism and all these different ideas. But the only thing that hasn't changed that stayed constant worldwide is more power, more centralization in the hands of the government. And I guess I would argue that that trend has not really produced the results that you might be referring to as progress through generations. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that is the thing that's the hardest to change and will be the biggest struggle to change. And if it even changes yeah. at all. So I, I think that's that's the hardest frustration. And I do hope this is the fact that I have to say, I hope this is the riot that changes things. The, the fact that we've had multiple before this and there's still not a huge difference. Like, yes, OK, in, in the 60s, there was riots that contributed to the Civil Rights Acts, which was extremely important. And maybe something will come out of this and... We have to wait and see. We're in the hands of history and time, so we've just got to kind of wait and see what the results kind of become from this. But another element I wanted to talk about, which is important for what this whole show is about, we're talking about, obviously, COVID and the impacts on society. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we're seeing the United States at the moment has some of the worst 
cases um, and some of the worst death rates as well worldwide. Yes, larger populations, so increased numbers without a doubt. But we're seeing mass gatherings. Some people are wearing masks. I watch a lot of the videos. A lot of people aren't, and they're they're in the hundreds and they're in the thousands and. First of all, before we get into the, the riot aspect of, of what's going on, from the UK standpoint, there's been a lot of reports of the states, and I'm not saying everyone, of course not, but there is definitely a majority that really struggles with this being told no and being told to wear a mask and all of this kind of stuff that's going on, and there's been strong protests about this is against my rights and all of this kind of stuff. Is, is that actually what you're kind of seeing as well, Joshua? Yes, yeah, that's the stereotypical American mentality is that no one's going to tell me what to do. I am free to do whatever the heck I want to do. And if you want to try to force me otherwise, then I will show you. And that's kind of the general American response. Mm. Which has been interesting because barely a week ago it was people protesting about being able to, to go into supermarkets and stuff. And I saw videos of people being forced out and all, all of this stuff kind of going on. Um, and, and now with this powder keg of explosion that, that's happened we'll get into some of the reasons why it's been continuing for so long but this mass group of gathering over such a continuous time two weeks from now we could be seeing something horrendous and more importantly recently they've been coming out with reports that risk of death is higher for ethnic minorities who actually can contract coronavirus it was a report by the Public Health of England said that people of ethnic minorities are at higher risk of dying from coronavirus. Um, it's disproportionate for Asian, Caribbean, and Black ethnicities, and they're not really sure why. And that is concerning. Is it because yeah. like is it because they are at higher risk of contagion and then like death or whatever? Mm. Um, or is it because they don't have the the help? in their hands to be able to treat it correctly and so people die. They're not sure. All they know is that age is still a risk factor. Um, being male is another one. And they, they're just seeing a lot higher cases in in ethnic minorities across the board. And they're really, they want to do a study and that they've been trying to, but th there was a report recently of them having to postpone it because of what's going on in America. And I kind of found out such a contradiction of an article of like well we want to find out why this is affecting people of ethnic background but we can't because the people of ethnic background are all hanging out together and protesting and doing all this stuff and it's like well how can we find out and stop this if this is such a massive risk to to human life and a danger to them yeah and well, you've also got these sorry, sorry go ahead. <laughs> No, really quickly, I wanted to say that this is the thing again about us people in general, humans, not knowing what government is for and what rights are for. So we are directing all our resources into in, into suppressing one crisis when the when the COVID nineteen crisis is still ongoing. So resources are going towards violence and suppressing the riots instead of going into sort of pinpointing the the people who are most at danger and protecting them from the entire pandemic that is going on. I feel like I say this too much. Another aspect of the whole minority issue is uh, that 
from my research at least, a big factor in whether or not you catch the virus and how well your body responds to that is your immune system. And when you have a very strong immune system, uh, especially supplementing with things like vitamin C and vitamin D, that that can really help your body fight the virus and it can keep you from getting sick. And uh, the rates of severity of how sick you get from COVID seem to be directly related to, I know vitamin D levels in the studies I've seen, I'm not sure about vitamin C, I would assume mm -hmm. if it's an immune system thing. Um, but basically your overall health, whether or not you are obese or not, that's a huge factor. And when you look at ethnic minority populations, I know at least in the States, a lot of times those areas are a lot poorer when you look at the demographics and you look at just compared to the overall population, a lot of times they do have a poorer standing economically as well as poorer health overall. The food that they're eating is not as high quality. Oftentimes they may not have the same access to healthcare. Um, education rates are usually a lot lower. So you have all these other issues where if it truly is something that maybe your immune system and the health of your body uh, has a lot to do with, then if you are in a population that, uh, number one, has more compromised immune systems and is not as healthy, and then number two, a lot of times culturally, uh, different ethnic minorities that live in communities together are a lot more tightly knit, and they are together a lot more, and they stick together, and so you might have a lot more contact between a smaller group of people that's very close-knit. I know they're having issues with that with the Jewish community in New York City, where they're not recognizing the uh, lockdown procedures that are being put in place, and th that's similar in a lot of other areas, but uh, I would just posit that it's not I personally do not think that it's just a genetic thing that these specific yeah. races are genetically more vulnerable, but it's probably more of an ikio, um, like an economic or a sociological issue is at least my stance based on what I've been seeing. So that was our conversation with Joshua. It's not over. We now delve into more of the general issues that we're seeing with things going on in terms of COVID's impact from a more general standpoint, how it's influencing people, government powers, and also what it looks like in the future. So we wanted to make sure that this was split into two episodes so it was easy to digest for people because that has been a complaint in the past, even though I don't understand why people just don't pause podcasts and go back. <laughs> but that's my own that's my own cross to die on. That that's my own issue. Um, so one thing I kind of want to want to finish on. We were talking obviously in part one there about um, George Floyd and the riots, and it, it it's an issue that is very important, and it, it's this isn't a black and white sitting on a fence kind of issue. It, it's one side or the other. And I can speak from an for an essay that uh, on this matter we we fully stand with with everything that's happening. We we stand with Black Lives Matter, everything like that. So, especially for, for us in the UK, it, it, it's difficult to get involved and and to to help in any way we can. So, a way that you can help is obviously in the UK. Donations are very important to build resources and bring things to the community and help understand. So. Brings me back to episode one, research your resources and 
spread good information, spread helpful information using the hashtag Black Lives Matter. Uh, we had an issue today where people were posting blackout uh, images on Instagram, which was a great cause for solidarity, but a lot of people were using the hashtag Black Lives Matter, and that was pushing the message down with silence, basically, which is the absolute opposite effect of what we want. So if you're posting stuff like that, it's great to show support. I know people have issues with why it was done, but it shows solidarity, but it's, again, researching and understanding what hashtags to use, how people are using stuff, and just giving that information. Other ways you can help is donating to the Floyd family. They've got a uh, GoFundMe set up online. If you search George Floyd, or it will be on the homepage that you can donate to the family for funeral costs, general living, things of that nature. There's also the Freedom Fund. Uh, it's being used to bail out protesters arrested in action in protest of the city of origin. And the organization behind it is calling on the governor of Minnesota to defund the police and reform the state's bail system. So that's a very important cause as well. And you can get that at the minnesotafreedomfund.org. Another one, obviously, is Black Lives Matter. You can Google Black Lives Matter. Uh, donations can be made directly to the Black Lives Matter Global Network and their ongoing fight to end state-sanctioned violence, liberate black people, and end white supremacy forever. And if money is not something that you can give right now, completely understandable. A lot of people are furloughed and struggling with income. There's also the no money donation option. So there's a video project online at the moment where they're raising money through advertising revenue from views. So 100% of those being donated to associations to offer protester bail funds, help pay for family funerals and advocacy. The project enables people who are unable to spend money to take financial action in favor of the movement. So when you're watching this video, don't skip any of the ads. That's where the money's coming from. Um, so if you just search how to financially help BLM, um, then it comes up. There's a bunch of adverts that come up. Just watch them through the, like 15 seconds. and All of that money from the advertising funds goes to them. So And also make sure your ad blocking is off as well. So you kind of do it. There's lots of great causes out there. Those are just kind of the top main ones that have got traction and do a lot of fantastic things. But uh, please do research and find ones that really suit you. This is a unity project. We're talking about pride at the moment. This is Pride Month. That is one of the most beautiful things of unity and acceptance, and we need to have that now more than ever throughout the whole of this month. So whatever you can do to support and help, now is the time to get out there and do it. So thank you for listening to part one. Subscribe to us on all major podcasting platforms so you know when podcast two comes in. And we hope you enjoyed the second part as well. But thank you for joining us for episode one 